Thanks for tuning in to High on Horror. I'm Drew. And I'm John. This episode and every future episode is dedicated to the horror hounds and smokers out there who want to expand their knowledge of the genre and have a good time. I mean, we've reviewed a lot of newer movies here lately, but, you know, every once in a while it's nice to go back and revisit a classic, especially a slasher classic from the boom in the 80s, like we are today. I agree, and that's right. You know, today we're going back to 1982 to review Girls' Night Out, a.k.a. The Scaremaker. It's a college slasher film that's a lot of fun. And with us again today, we have the lovely Lauren Marie Taylor, who has a starring role in the film. To quote Billy Mays, but wait, there's more. That's right. Lauren Marie Taylor's co-star in the film and real-life husband, John Didrichson, is in the house as well. They're going to spill their guts to us in an exclusive interview. All that and more today on High High on Horror. Horror. Interviews, reviews, and the latest news all rolled into one. Now, we got to kick this show off right the way we do every week. Uh, we definitely need to get into strain rack. What are we smoking this week, John? So uh, we got us some cherry pie. It's about about middle of the road, THC wise, sixteen percent. It's uh, flavor and aromas berry, and uh, it's parents. It's a cross of Granddaddy Perp and F1 Derb. I'm not familiar with F1 Derb, but no, uh, me neither. I am. I am a big fan of Granddaddy Perp. Uh, with that, the uh, buds, they're dense and full of orange hairs with a touch of purple. And the hybrid strain smells of sweet and sour cherry pie. I've never heard of sweet and sour cherry pie. No, just, me neither. I've heard of cherry pie. Add the song. It does smell good, though. Uh, the effects have been known to come on in minutes and stick around for a couple hours. Well, we'll see about that couple hours. I guess we never really test it because we just keep getting higher and higher. <laughs> That's true. Oh, there you go. See, you already laughing. That's number one effect, giggly. Giggly, happy, and euphoric. What are the negatives? Dry eyes, dry mouth, and paranoid. I thought you were going to save dry, dry mouth for last. Dry mouth? Uh, I was listed second. It's usually always listed last, but now it's got paranoid. You'll think a bear with the claws trying to get you. <laughs> well, uh, well, while we uh, uh, smoke, I wanted to bring up uh, the new horror film that's coming out, the Christmas horror film. The Mean One, the unofficial Grinch horror film. It's coming to uh, theaters December 9th, and uh, Art the Clown actor David Howard Thornton is playing the Grinch, and he looks awesome. I think uh, either this is going to be completely cheesy like Santa's sleigh, and I'm going to love it, or it's going to be like overly brutal. Uh, either way, I think that we're going to be there to see it. Oh, we definitely will. I mean, I don't know if this sounds offensive, but... I can just David Howard Thornton looks like the Grinch. <laughs> I don't. I feel like I feel like it's going to be a good fit. Be better than him and uh, the Grinch and Jim Carrey. Yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like David Howard Thornton might be like the new uh, Doug Jones. He's being asked to do all the like body movement characters where there's not like uh, he's forced to use his body a lot and act with his body. That's pretty cool, but um. Uh, so Steve Lamort uh, is directing it, and uh, he and the producers are hoping that they actually don't get sued releasing this movie because the Grinch is not public domain like Winnie the Pooh is. Hence the new Winnie the Pooh film, you know, Blood and Honey, that's coming out. Uh, that's that's uh, that's all good, you know. Uh, that shit's uh, 
that's up for grabs but the grinch is not public domain um i was wondering why they i thought maybe it was and that's why they were making it but uh the winnie the pooh one you brought up i if the director for some reason is listening to that i have been trying to get a hold of you i want to talk about this movie yeah, i want to see it, it so bad I, I'm, I'm in man i want to see it too and uh but yeah but in this case with uh with the mean one um the producers are hoping that by calling it a parody that they don't get sued that's basically all they're relying on they've made this is that, movie is that like all uh, on the hopes that they don't get their asses sued off because they're calling it a parody is that like with uh like the friday the 13th fan films it's a fan film so so that's why they're hoping not to get sued i so. guess i guess man technically i don't know but it's uh the grinch is a grinch i don't know good luck yeah. with that you know hopefully uh hopefully it all works out a, a horror version of the grinch i was like why did nobody think of this yeah uh, people are probably too scared to do it but i'm down to check it out either way i mean you know regardless of what it. happens regardless of what we'll happens get, with we'll, it legally we'll, we'll get we'll david on it. again <laughs> oh yeah for sure we're gonna talk to him about it no question but uh i think now it's time to uh get into horror history horror hiss this week in horror history all right, we got a lot of horror history uh, coming up this week. On December 5th, that's today, King Kong 2005 turned 17. The Peter Jackson one, man. I that saw was a that good in one. theaters. I, I liked it. Yeah, that's really good. By my dad, it was a hardcore. Uh, nothing was as good as the original King Kong to him. Yeah, I understand. That. I went and saw it with him, and I asked him what he thought. I was like, I really liked it. He went, oh, it was okay. <laughs> uh, man Beast turned 66. Wow. And then uh, we got some birthdays today. Tamara Feldman from 1980-42. She's been in Bloodwork, Alice Kills, Supernatural TV series, and Hatchet. Oh, yeah. Hatchet. Hatchet. <laughs> I've not seen Supernatural. Yeah, we've talked about it before. Yeah. Supernatural one through seasons 1 through 5 are fucking great. And uh, 1976, Amy Acker turns 46. Uh, she's been in Cabin in the Woods, the Grimm TV series. She was also in Supernatural and uh, the Angel TV series. She's hot as hell, man. Amy Acker is hot. And uh, 1968, Lisa Marie, 54. Been in uh, Ed Wood, Mars Attacks, Sleepy Hollow, the Burden remake of Planet of the Apes. Oh, that piece of shit. <laughs> And then uh, we have a birthday from 1890. Director Fritz Lang would have been 132. Uh, his films, uh, silent classic, Metropolis, mm -hmm. 1931 version of M, starring Peter Lorre and Siegfried. But uh, got, got to include him. Of uh, course. December 6th uh, from 1966, Donald Pleasance was in this. Eye of the Devil turns 56. 56, damn. And uh, we have a birthday from 1900. Uh, Agnes Moorhead would have been 122. I mean, uh, she played Endora on Bewitched. Uh, she was on some episode of uh, Twilight Zone, The Invaders. She was in the films The Bat with Vincent Price. Right, yeah, that's right. You're right. And uh, Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. I remember The Bat. That's right, yeah. that's I totally forgot she was in that somehow. Uh, December 7th. We got a lot today. Uh, well, we only had two movies. Uh, Village of the Damned from 1960. John Carpenter's was better. I mean, yeah. It turned 62. House of Dracula from 1945, 77 years ago. God damn. And now get it into some birthdays here. 
1979, turning 43, Jennifer Carpenter um, from Devil's Hammers. You probably know her from Dexter or uh, Quarantine or The Exorcism, Emily Rose. Man, she's a good horror actress, man. Like, she does really good at, like, at horror, for real. Like, in Quarantine and Emily Rose, like, she should do more roles playing, like, someone vulnerable in a horror situation. She fucking is so, so uh, compelling when she does those roles. When I first saw Emily Rose, that movie fucked me up. Dude, what movie was it? Uh, it was I think it might have been Dragged Across Concrete. It was something, it was that, or it was a Mel Gibson movie. I can't remember. It was one of the movies you made me watch where she was in it briefly, and she gets her fucking head blown off. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? What, what movie was that? I can't remember um, which one that was. Brawl and Cell Black 99? Yeah, yeah, dude, that shit was crazy. I thought she was going to have a serious role in the movie. I did not expect it to go like that. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> another birthday, 1979, turning 43, Ayako Fujitana. He starred in the classics Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, Gamera 2, Assault of the Legion, <laughs> and Gamera 3, The Awaken of Isis. ISIS, like <laughs> the people of the Middle East, is Gamera responsible for them? <laughs> Did he awaken them? Uh, 1976, 46 years old actor, writer, producer Mark Duplass. Uh, I first became familiar with him from a show called The League. Right, is, I haven't seen that. It's hilarious. You gotta check it out. Even if you don't like sports, it's still hilarious because you can relate to like the friend group aspect. <clears throat> but uh, he was in the Lazarus Effect. Uh, Manson Family Vacation, Bad Milo, Black Rock, and probably my favorite, Creep. Yeah. Creep is awesome. And uh, 1967, turning 55, we have Danny Hassel. He co-starred in A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, and also Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. He didn't get the best of sequels, but <laughs> hey, you were in A Nightmare on Elm Street, so. That's right. 1966, turning 56, we have C. Thomas Howell. He was in E.T., uh, the 2009 version of The Land the Time Forgot, World, War of the Worlds 2, The Hitcher, he played the serial killer, Kenneth Bonacci in The Hillside Strangler. No shit, yeah, that's right, I see Thomas Howell. Actually, I had to, uh, the, the name wasn't coming to me, uh, I'm sorry, the face, so I just Googled him, and like I just, uh, yeah, 100%, I know yeah. this guy, yeah, he's in, uh, he's in Hell High, that slasher film I was just watching, yeah. Uh, a birthday from 1915, 107, Eli Wallach, uh, he was in uh, The Sentinel, The Deep, and uh, the TV movie The Chill Factor. And finally, we got our last birthday. I told you today was a, a lot of birthdays. 1874, would have been 148 years old. Harry Stubbs, who appeared in The Wolfman, Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, and The Mummy's Hand. Excellent. And uh, moving on here to uh, December 8th, we have Blade Trinity. Came out in 2004, 18 years ago. 18 years ago, man. Do you remember when that movie came out? It does not feel like 18 years ago. I remember when it came out. I was never, re I never really was in the Blade when it was actually in theaters. I've seen okay. them since, but. Well, this was unfortunate. But I, but, but I remember one. when it was coming out. This was the worst That's one. That's the Triple H one, in, right? Yeah, I still in the Ryan Reynolds one. I still enjoy it, but it's the worst one. But 18 years is just, man, I'm just feeling older every fucking episode we do. <laughs> we got to stop this horror history. It's hurting my self esteem. And uh, <laughs> since, you know, I had to bring up Gamera, I threw one in here for you. 1971 is, uh, but it was made in 1969, Godzilla's Revenge. 
Uh, but it was made in 1969 mm-hmm. as I'm going to butcher this. Gujira, Manira, <laughs> Gabara, Urakaju, Daisha. I can't. There's no way I'm getting that last one. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's most commonly known as uh, All Monsters Attack. But um, Godzilla's Revenge was always my favorite title for it. And uh, 51, 51 years ago. <sighs> and now get into the birthdays. We have uh, Tyler Maine. 1966, 56 years old. Uh, obviously, Rob Zombie's Halloween 1 yeah. and 2. Uh, X-Men, Compound Fracture. And more. And more. <laughs> 1950. Have to have to include this person just because of the movies they did. Multiple Oscar award-winning makeup and effects artist Rick Baker turned 72. Uh, his numerous credits include Star Wars, The Halley, Men in Black, The Ring, X-Men Last Stand, and the 2010 remake of The Wolfman. And, of course, An American Werewolf in London. Yep. Yeah, crazy. Dude's a fucking beast. Uh, 1947 birthday, David Schmoller, 75, writer-director of such films as Taurus Trap, Crawl Space, Catacombs, Puppet Master, The Arrival. Isn't that the movie uh, Josh says isn't good? <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Leave, dude, The Arrival's a good movie, Josh. It's higher than a 3.3. <laughs> Netherworld and more. No, that that's a pretty good resume, though, actually. Uh, Taurus Trap, Crawl Space, Catacombs, Puppet Master, Arrival. Yeah, and, definitely yeah, The Arrival. Definitely, definitely a good resume. Uh, would have been 86, 1936, David Carradine. Uh, obviously most known for Kung Fu, but he was also in Death Race 2000, Q, and Sundown, The Vampire in Retreat. And he was also uh, in uh, Dead and Breakfast, a horror comedy that I love. And uh, that was, I think that was one of his last roles. He was fucking hilarious in that. And we're moving on to the ninth. Uh, 34 years ago, 1988, <clears throat> Troma's War. Okay. Okay. Troma's War is okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's a, It's decent. Some of the people that are really in the trauma, I just don't get it. It's, they're okay. So uh, Some people love those fuck you movies, and I get it too, but I also enjoy watching good movies. So it's, <laughs> you know. Traumas are okay to throw on once in a while. Yeah. Um, from 1983, turning 39, we have Christine. A well, fucking, we've talked about it numerous times. John it's Carpenter. Stephen King. Yeah. There's enough said. I think enough that's said. what we've said before. At birthdays, we just got a lot of older birthdays. 1929, John Cassavetes, 93, starred in Rosemary's Baby and the Fury. Yeah, the Fury, man. His head blowing up in the Fury is wild. 1928, Dick Van Patten, 94. I was in Psychomania, Westworld. They they have been, they are, they will be. Episode of Kolchak, the Night Stalker. Kolchak, okay. Love Uh, Kolchak. 1902, uh, is it fair to say the most famous witch in all of cinema? Yeah, I would say so. Margaret Hamilton would have been 120. Uh, She starred in The Wizard of Oz, obviously. Yeah. Uh, The Invisible Woman, 13 Ghosts, The Night Strangler. Um, Have you seen, somebody finally found that it was uh, lost for the longest time. Um, there was an episode of Sesame Street that she did. You showed me that. You okay. said you shared that to me on Facebook. Yeah, that, that was shit awesome. was. I can see why they only aired it once. <laughs> I think it's on. Well, I found it on Reddit. But well, you so, found it creepy. I, I can understand why kids would have found it creepy. 
But like no, she, yeah, she, yeah. For, for anybody who doesn't know, she was trying to repair her image because she was actually a school teacher before, and she had reservations about taking the role of the Wicked Witch of the West because she thought the kids wouldn't like her, yeah. and she was right. So she was trying to repair her image and went on Sesame Street. And just the way it's edited, they only aired it once because kids were, like, terrified. And you watch it as an adult, and it's not, like, scary. But I can imagine being a two- or three-year-old kid and, like, watching this. And, like, watching Sesame Street. But you might be able to find it on Reddit. It was a lost episode until earlier this year. Somebody had it on VHS, and it only ever aired once. Well, I would have to agree with you, though, going back to what you said. Uh, I think Margaret Hamilton is, like, the quintessential, like, witch. Like, when you think of, like, cinematic movie witches, like, she's the one. In Technicolor with that, you know, with the fucking broom and shit. Like, yeah, man, she, yeah, the, the Wicked Witch of the West is, is the witch, in my opinion, for sure. And uh, moving on to December 10th, the only thing we have here is a birthday from 1928. Would have been 94, Billy, Chili Billy Cardeal. Uh, he was the field reporter in the original Night of the Living Dead, Day of the Dead, Night of the Living Dead, uh, from 1990 and Living, uh, yeah. Okay. Chilly Billy. Chilly Billy, though. And then finally wrapping up the week, December 11th, 24 years old, 1998, The Dentist Part 2. I just recently rewatched The Dentist again, even though we just, you know, had an episode yeah. on it a couple months ago. I was just like, yeah, it's weird. I, I can't watch the actual TC. I mean, I can't watch them, but when I watch it casually, I'm like, I'm not going to watch that. Especially the two. It's when he has the kid in the oh, original yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, when he t he has the neighbor's tooth and he's just like hollowing it out. Oh yeah, the the, the, the female when he's just like drilling. Yeah, man, that shit's brutal. But uh, yeah, we had the dentist too. You want to know? We have to think about the what we think about the dentist too. Listen to our episode about the dentist too. Uh, what seventy three born in nineteen forty nine Terry Gar from Young Frankenstein and <laughs> Close Encounters of the Third Kind. All right. And closing out our horror history would have been the one hundredth birthday of the late Vampira, the horror hostess who appeared in Plan Nine from Outer Space. All right, so uh, I guess it's time to get on to that PPA. Yeah, man. Puff, puff, pass. All right, now it's time for Puff, Puff, Ask, the segment of our show where we answer questions that you listeners send in to us at High on Horror 420 on social media or our website or email at highonhorror420 at gmail.com. I'm going to go first. So uh, our producer, our producer, <laughs> our producer, Josh's wife, Kristen, actually reached out in regards to uh, Barbarian and said, uh, quote, my question is, what the fuck? <laughs> um, I liked the movie. Uh, I won't say too much. Um, Kristen, listen to our uh, review episode that your hubby edited. Uh, we probably cover your what the fuck in there. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, when you and Barbarian, when you say what the fuck, like. Which time? What the what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> or which what the fuck are you talking about? Because there's a lot of what the fuck moments in that movie. Agreed. Uh, and getting in uh, here, uh, Donna. I don't. Uh, I don't have a place for her wherever. Just Donna. So Donna, you know you asked it. <laughs> now other people know you asked it. What 2023 movie has you the most excited? I was going to say uh, definitely the new Scream movie. <laughs> it's like, I know for you that's a joke. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm gonna see it, but yeah. We'll so see. far, there's not really like a whole lot. I mean, I know, I know you're gonna say it, but Evil Dead Rises. Yeah. Um, Evil I, Dead Rises. <laughs> oh man, I got a question for you because I think probably both of our expectations have turned on this from what we thought about. I know what you're gonna say. What? David Gordon Green, yes! The Exorcist. <laughs> I have no interest. I'm no like. Oh man! I'll wait till it hits video. Hopefully, that shit hits Peacock for free, like the Halloween movies did. Oh, I. He's convinced me that he does not know how to make a good so, fucking scary movie. Is David Gordon Green? Has he worked himself into like the Dave the D and D from Game of Thrones, where you're like, this shit's awesome, and then at the end you go, what the fuck? You suck. David Gordon Green's in Eli Roth and Rob Zombie territory, but. He did make Pineapple Express, my guy. Yeah, yeah. Stoner classic. I'll give him that. Um, some other ones, I'm just going to run off some here. Because um, I know Evil Dead Rises was your big one. And yeah. What was your other one? Megan. Okay. Uh, Saw 10. No. They're not, not going to really call it that. Saw 10. You know they're not going to call it Saw 10. No. Toba Bell back, though. <laughs> Dude, like, after... After Saw 3, the only good parts about those movies yeah. are, I guess the traps are cool still, but uh, the actress that plays Jill Tuck, the dude that plays uh, Hoffman, and any scenes Tobin Bell gets to be in, that's the only good things of those, like, like after number 3. Well, <laughs> and, well Jigsaw was ass. Right, I right. haven't even seen Spiral. Well, going back to Megan real quick, I just wanted to say something that uh, it's not directed by, uh, Megan's not directed by James Wan, it's directed by uh, Gerard Johnstone, but James Wan produced it, and I thought it was funny. Yeah, and he came he, up with the idea for it. Yeah, and I thought it was funny what he said, because he uh, he's known for um, Billy the Puppet and Saul, okay, who was mm -hmm. a homage to Billy the Puppet and Dario Argento's Deep Red, and then he's got the uh, Mary Shaw, there's uh, Billy the Puppet and Mary Shaw, and then... Um, there's Annabelle, and he was like, he he was like, I have all these movies with killer dolls in them, but the dolls aren't actually the killer. So maybe it's time we do a movie where the dolls actually the killer. And I was like, yeah, I'm in. Fuck it, let's do it. Um, another <coughs> uh, big name director has a movie coming out, Knock at the Cabin, in February. M. Oh, H. oh yeah, that looks with uh, Dave Batista. I walk alone. I walk for miles inside <laughs> this pit of danger. <laughs> But uh, and then he looks like he's taking a shit on stage and just fireworks popping right? off the back of him. M Knight's really hit or miss for me though. Agreed. No, yeah, being all seriousness, yeah. Um, M Knight, he's like some of his movies are fucking phenomenal, and some of them are just like yeah. The, the Visit was his last great movie in my opinion. I fucking The Visit was good, man. Um, how about Renfield? The Nicolas Cage movie, uh. I'm gonna watch it. I'm not gonna. Yeah. It's not on my not on my must watch list, but it'll get watched. We got Evil Dead Rises. Oh, is that? Oh, comes out about a little a week before my birthday. I think I know what I'm. In April, doing. yeah, yeah. Um, Insidious Five. I like the Insidious movies. I'll check them out. Uh, let's see. What check else? it out. What else we got here? The Haunted Mansion with Tiffany Haddish. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, the Nun 2? No. Uh, Salem's Lot? Yes. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. Um, it's it's not coming out 
it doesn't seem like it's coming out next year, but I am excited for when Edgar's drops Nosferatu. The only thing I'm a little upset about is that Bill Skarsgård is going to end up being Nosferatu, and it's not because I think he'll do a bad job. I think he'll do a good job. But originally it was supposed to be Willem Dafoe, and I think Willem Dafoe would have absolutely fucking killed it. He'd have looked way more fucking creepy, man. I know, man. Jesus, well, he'd have looked creepy as fuck. I still think Bill will do a good job, but man, I really, really think Willem Dafoe would have did a good job. Yeah, he would have. I agree. Uh, so, yeah, I think that probably just wraps up uh, what we got yeah. for uh, movies. All right, so uh, let's get into our review of Girls' Night Out. All right, Girls' Night Out is a 1982 slasher film written and directed by Anthony N. Gervis. I'm sorry, written and produced by Anthony N. Gervis and directed by Robert Dubell. It stars Julia Montgomery, Laura Marie Taylor, John Diedrichson, and Hal Hal Holbrook. Call him Halbrook. (laughs) That Hal Halbrook? Fox, by the way, spent no money on advertising for this movie. No money. And they uh, only promoted it as a slasher film and not a comedy, which is pretty interesting. I would say so when you say that because... My dad, I remember there's so many like just obscure movies that I can't remember from the 80s and 90s horror-wise that he just put on and I know that they couldn't have had much like much much <laughs> yeah. much budget in advertising and we never once watched Girls Night Out so like right, right. I feel like this would have been a good movie for him to like show to a kid it's you know it's kind of on the tamer side for kids but, uh, yeah I would agree with that yeah, so I believe that there was probably no promotion into this and, uh, yeah, before we get into the movie, look, this is going to have spoilers throughout. We're not going to, like, try, try to protect it. Like, if you haven't seen this movie by now, first, shame on you. <laughs> and uh, second, we're not going to separate them today. So if you haven't watched it, go watch it and you can come back. We're, we're, we're not even having a spoilers jingle this week or anything. Nope, we're going right into it. But before we do, I just want to mention how, did you notice how... Uh, the cover girl isn't even the, the of the original cover. The cover girl isn't even in the movie. None of the girls yeah, featured on the posters. It's clearly Lauren Marie Taylor, <laughs> but she never once has those earrings no, on. No, in the no, 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 no. I'm not talking about the era video artwork. I'm saying the original cover where it's the oh, white yeah, yeah, cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. white, the white cover. Yeah, and the cover girl's not even in the movie. And yeah, none of the girls on the posters random, or, or anything, yeah. any marketing. None of them are actually in the movie. So that's uh, one of the things that's fucking really and interesting. I guess the in the new one that character's not in the movie either i mean it looks like laura marie taylor but she never once has those earrings on yeah they added those earrings for sure because i even remember you and i both got it on uh the arrow video set yeah um i have the scare maker cover i think that's the only difference between our versions yeah i think you got the store exclusive one yeah um but yeah like i was i saw the cover and i made a point and I was like, nobody is wearing those earrings in this movie. And you see the kill later in the movie, and you're like, okay, that's Sheila Laura Marie Taylor. But and with, she, the, with the bear outside the window, you're like, that's the scene. Yeah, that's, it's the you scene. Know. But there's these giant ass yellow earrings on the cover, <laughs> and they nowhere, nobody in that movie ever wears those. Yep. Anyway starting off the movie we got we start out with a suicide psych patient dickie cavanaugh hangs himself in weston hills sanitarium in rural ohio uh i wonder if this is like 
the same Weston Hills from Nightmare on Elm Street series. This, I mean, did come out before Dream Warriors, so this would have been first. Uh, like, Wes Craven, like, do that. I mean, and this isn't really the only connection you can make to Nightmare on Elm Street. We'll get in, I mean, the killer Dude, uses a claw. This came out before the first new Nightmare. This came out before, uh, this came out before the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie, let alone Dream Warriors. And yeah. It predates the first one, and the bear has four claws. So we're like, wait, so we have a killer with four claws, and like you just pointed out, the Weston Hills, which is funny, because I've seen the movie several times, and for some reason, the Weston Hills thing never clicked with me. And you said you Googled it online and couldn't find nothing. I'm like, I don't know what it is. I don't know, but I, I caught the uh, the whole four-fit, the whole four-blade thing, and I'm like, I think that kind of predates Freddy. Um, and then you just pointed out the Weston Hills thing, and I'm like, he's fucking right. Like, as, it's for some reason, that always went over my head, but Weston Hills and four blades, maybe Wes Craven watched this movie, man. And the, the Weston Hills didn't pop in my head until I rewatched this. And like I yeah, like I told you, I went online to Google it. Granted I didn't I did like maybe a two, three minute search. I just Googled like Girls Night Out, Weston Hills, Freddy. And I saw people making the connection of, you know, the claw, the bear claw. Yeah. But like I didn't see anybody talking about Weston Hills and for some reason that is just like I told you some weird horror fact that just stuck in my head that I just remember Weston Hills is the fucking sanitarium. Now, to defend Wes Craven, he did always say that Freddy was based on something, you know, from our earliest days of man, and, you know, he thought of a bear claw. Maybe, but maybe he saw this, and subconsciously some of it worked its way in. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, Weston Hills and the Four, four Blades. Some would say that's a quinky dink. Some would say to look into that. Earth's flat. <laughs> okay i don't really believe that before somebody takes me seriously <laughs> anyway uh dickie's sister gets permission or gives permission to the two grave diggers to bury his body uh while they're digging a hole for dickie's body they're attacked and murdered by an unseen killer who throws their corpse into the burial plot now this first kill is very jello-esque because yeah. it's pre it's pre mascot bear wearing you know like no costume it's just a gloved killer coming out of the bushes Doing a pretty nasty slaughter. Had to make sure I threw my Jallo in there, man. <laughs> you do, you do, you do, you do be Jalloing. <laughs> and then uh, next we go to Dewitt University. The basketball team wins the chip, and they go to celebrate. And to celebrate, an all night scavenger hunt's going to take place the next night for the ladies. Like, I that's I don't understand how that benefits the team. Like, it just won the championship. Like. I, it's a weird idea for a celebration. I guess yeah. maybe it's because the cheerleaders were there helping the team win. I mean, I feel like I'm reaching for the exact reason of the men's basketball team won the championship. So as a reward, the women are going to get a scavenger hunt. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that's a hell of a way to that's that's a hell of an award. Yeah, that's a hell of a way to put it to to yeah. word it. <laughs> the men's basketball team won, and the ladies for them winning get a scavenger hunt whatever i mean it gets our movie going here <laughs> and then uh lynn connor's played by julia montgomery and her boyfriend uh basketball player teddy ratliff played by james carroll celebrate the victory at a campus diner lynn teddy and other students attend a party that evening where they tell the story of dicky to the freshmen who were unaware of his recent death which i think you'd have to because it was like pretty recent yeah they almost tell like a ghost story almost kind of like uh when they talk about uh, Jason in part two. Yeah. 
another Larmory Taylor movie, but I mean, they, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. They kind of like tell it like, like, you know, a ghost story. And, uh, they say that Dickie murdered his girlfriend, Patty in a jealous rage. And then they put him away in Weston Hills. And, uh, now it's Lynn's turn to get jealous because she doesn't like how Teddy has the hots for Dawn Sorensen played by Suzanne Barnes. Mark Pryor, uh, he's played by David Holbrook, the son of Hal Holbrook, uh, who's also in the movie. Uh, doesn't see he doesn't seem to fit in with the group. He just really like seems like the outcast and misfit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he gets into a loud argument with his girlfriend uh, Sheila, who's played by one of today's guests, Laura Marie Taylor. And soon the school mascot, Michael Benson, played by Matthew Dunn, is stabbed to death in his dorm room after arriving back from the party. And then the bear mascot costume is stolen. So we're up to three kills before we finally get to the to, We're just to the getting bear started, outfit. yeah. Classic early there, I mean, slasher. there's a lot of characters in this movie. And uh, the next day, Mike's questioned by campus security officer Jim McVeigh, who's played by Hal Holbrook over the fight with Sheila. We find out McVeigh's daughter was the Patty from the Dickie Cavanaugh story. And uh, later that evening, they put the campus radio DJ in charge of giving out the clues for the scavenger hunt. While the girls are listening on portable radios, the killer's prowling the campus in the bear costume. And uh, the bear, like we said again, he, he adds a claw to the outfit, and it, it's very Freddy-like. It's brutal, too, man. Those fucking blades are nasty. Like, it's, it looks like a very, very brutal... It adds the, the mascot costume looks kind of goofy, but those blades add that serious like that's what it, that it needed that oh shit element to it. And that's exactly what it is because uh, you don't want to be getting scratched by this Teddy fucking Ruxpin. <laughs> um, they're not as long as Freddy's, but they'd be girthy. <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely like some sick ass blades for sure. And uh, Jane, played by Laura Summer, uh, finds the first clue in the girls' locker room. She takes the lead, but at what cost? That cost is going to be having her throat brutally sliced while being called misogynistic slurs. <laughs> so maybe shouldn't have got that first clue. Yeah, right. Not Tough long luck. after that, another girl, Kathy, played by Carrick Glenn, finds Jane's body crudely strung up in the locker room showers. Kathy also ends up with a slash throat for her troubles. Uh, the DJ at the radio station begins receiving phone calls from the killer uh, he, who's tallying his victims. And the killer also calls Officer McVeigh and claims to be Dickie. Uh, Sheila now goes down to the pond in search for another item and runs into the bear-clad killer, who she thinks is still Benson at this point. Teasing him, she runs into an abandoned shed by the pond. And then while inside the shed, we get the... The cover of the arrow, from well, the cover of the arrow, the arrow cover, and uh, he smashes their hand, well, the killer smashes their hand through the window and slashes Sheila's throat. All four blades, baby, four I deep. I, four deep. I think this is probably the most brutal kill. Agreed. It's vicious, man. There's a lot of blood, and it goes on for, a, they, they don't cut away from it. It seems to go on for, maybe it's one of those ones, maybe it doesn't actually go on for a while, but because it's so brutal, it seems like it does, but... This is definitely my favorite kill in the movie. And uh, Lynn continues searching for items on the scavenger hunt. And Teddy visits Dawn at her apartment for a scavenger hunt of his own. Well, them two have sex. <laughs> uh, Lynn's friend Leslie, played by Lois Robbins, goes to search for an item in the attic of the old chapel. And where she's murdy, murdered and murdy? Then, <laughs> murdy, 
She's murdered, and her body's discovered by Lynn. Uh, the police arrive, find all the bodies, and uh, they're suspicious of Mike and question several of the students, including our dude Ralph Boswick. <laughs> Ralph uh, Boswick, played by today's other guest, John Diedrichson. This movie like really is an ensemble cast. Uh, ensemble. I can't say the word. Ensemble cast. Ensemble, yeah. Thank you. Uh, there's like still more characters in it that we haven't even got to. Like there was just a lot of people. In I this agree. Movie. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's part because of you know uh, even actor Paul Christie said it like they wanted to do a mashup of like Friday the Thirteenth and Animal House, and you'll get into that yeah. later with uh, with uh, John. But um, like when you when you hear that, you're like, yeah, that whole party element there goes. That's why there's a ton of fucking people. Yeah. Uh, Dawn gets into an argument with her boyfriend, who kicks her out of their house after he tells her. Uh, he knows about her affair with Teddy. Officer McVeigh studies the phone calls placed to the radio station as well as the files and photographs of Dickie Cavanaugh, whose death he becomes aware of by Dickie's doctor. Dude, my dude fucking reamed that hospital out for them to be like, yeah, like, you need to chill the fuck out. He He's not even tonight. alive. <laughs> right? <laughs> he was like, you need to, like, you people need to do your job. And they're like, he's dead. Yeah, yeah. So why don't you back the fuck off? <laughs> while walking home dawn senses that somebody is following her and uses a payphone to call teddy's house where he's consoling lynn you know it's just he's just hanging out with her like oh yeah this other girl's in trouble now uh the phone call becomes hard to understand and then we hear dawn scream and after that a voice tells teddy to come and get her lynn calls the police while teddy flees to the student union to find lynn once there he finds dawn's bloody bloody and wounded in the cafeteria uh, as teddy's comforting her he is stabbed by barney played by rutyana alda who we also had saw back in the restaurant after the basketball game yep and uh reveals herself as the killer officer mcveigh enters the cafeteria and confronts barney whom he addresses as dickie's twin sister katie cavanaugh katie apparently suffering from dissociative identity disorder responds to mcveigh in alternating voices claiming to be dickie after mcveigh tells katie that dickie is dead she reverts and calmly tells him that dickie's not dead and that she brought him home from the hospital she opens the freezer display in dickie's frozen body clothed in a wheelchair with the bear claw hand in his weapon or bear claw hand in his weapon <laughs> The bear claw weapon in, in his, his hand. hand. Jesus. Yeah, man. Uh, I just want to say that. Pie, uh, man. I just want to say that uh, there was that was a hell of a twist. Like I remember watching this movie and thinking, like, oh shit, it's the fucking chick, you know? Like so, uh, yeah. That um that that was a total uh total uh, uh, that was you can kind of see uh, a sleepaway camp. Yeah. In there, I thought that as well. You know what I mean? But um, but yeah, um, that was uh, you can also kind of really see good. Psycho in it. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping the body. Yeah, totally. And uh, yeah, as I mentioned, both and you, both you and I got this from Arrow Video, which I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, it looks uh, so clean, man. In fact, I I accidentally bought the f fucking European version on accident. <laughs> I mean, maybe we'll do that as a giveaway in the future or something. Um, but like Halloween three, I'm glad this film's finally getting some shine. Not saying it was viewed in the same way as being like a bad movie as Halloween three, but you know what I mean. Just kind of forgotten or overlooked, yeah. yeah. Uh, the bear costume's great. I love the design of it. Like you said, it has like this goofy look to it, but then it's got like that sinister like bear claw to it. Yeah. Uh, the kills are good. Everyone, I mean, like I said, it's a huge cast, but everybody plays their specific role like they should. Uh, 
it really should be higher up on the list of all-time great slashers, I feel like. It's just a great movie to just like throw on any time. I yeah. give it seven and a half out of ten. I give it a seven and a half out of ten as well. Um, okay. Being a slasher fan, when you watch this movie, you can see the movies that it borrows from, and uh, the the more obvious ones being, you know, like Black Christmas, like the prank calls, and then there's the whole Nicole picked up on that, and she said it's she hates that I've, we've made her watch so many horror movies because that phone call started. She goes, "Oh, what's this Black Christmas?" <laughs> right. So there's a Black Christmas. Uh, you know, uh, I guess borrowing, as you'd want to call it. Um, and uh, then there's also, you know, the small town party vibe, like My Bloody Valentine. Um, and another Black Christmas nod slash borrowing would be that how Holbrook the cop suspects uh, the ex-boyfriend, the same as the cops on Black Christmas. Yeah. But uh, but this movie captures the fun that slashers had back then. The kills were gnarly, and you wanted some of the characters to die, but not all of them. Yeah. Uh, it's fun, not funny. 7.5 out of 10. And even the people that you like when they die, you're not, like, mad. You're like, oh, damn, that was a good kill. Yeah, yep. Oh, so I guess now uh, some burn and learn. Yeah, let's do it. Oh. Now let's get into Burn and Learn, the segment of our show where we list off trivia about the movie in discussion. Today, it's Girls' Night Out. This was director Robert Dubell's only feature film. Uh, the trailer was shot years after the movie. <laughs> what? Uh, Hal Holbrook shot all of his scenes in one day and never interacted with anyone else on screen. If it looks that way, that's the magic of editing. That's crazy. You didn't even like the scene with his son? I know, right? He's like, they're like, you would do a scene, a scene with your son. Fuck that. <laughs> I got shit to do. <laughs> Girls Night Out was the film debuts of David Holbrook and Julia Montgomery. Uh, Teddy Ratcliffe's costume for the frat party is supposed to be Marlon Brando's character from The Wild One. The film title for its release in Spain was Criando el Terror, which means creating the terror. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Girls Night Out was filmed in Uppsala college in new jersey all right well now let's talk to uh lauren and john and go deeper into girls night out and uh today again with us we have the awesome laura marie taylor and john Diedrichson from girls night out we got to talk to you a little bit about it before but uh now we're going to kind of do more of a deep dive into it so welcome back to high on horror Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's great. I got to go get my edibles before we get started, but it's a little bit early in the day here in New York. <laughs> it's never too early. There's no such thing. Lauren is not a crime. <laughs> it's never too early. There's no such thing. <laughs> and uh, Lauren, since the last time we talked, uh, you started your own podcast, the Not the Final Girl podcast with Lauren Marie Taylor. Uh, what was like the genesis of that? Um, I just thought it would be fun to have a little podcast called the not the final girl because everybody focuses on the final girls. So I figured by being an almost a final girl, you know, you go through the script and you're like, Oh crap, I get killed, you know? And so I thought it would be a cool title because that's <laughs> who I am. I'm not the final girl. So we started with our first guest, which was my Jason Warrington Gillette. And then we've moved on to other victims. And of course, Felissa Rose from, um, uh, sleepaway camp and terrifier two and Catherine Commie. So I've gone into this sleepaway camp and I'm venturing into the girls from um, nightmare on Elm street 
you know, of course we had some of our guys on and then I, um, for the month of October, I had a paranormal investigator on and a movie guy, a movie reviewer, um, Aaron's movies. Yeah. So it's, it's been, a it's, you know, it's evolving for sure. Yeah. Well, I think it's a really good idea. It's a really, it's a really fun idea. And I think, uh, you're, you're killing it. So good job. And, uh, you know, we fully support your project and, uh, anybody listening to this episode should definitely check out not the final girl podcast for sure. <clears throat> um okay thanks uh, thanks guys yeah and it's also on um, i have links on my website too which is just my name lauren marie taylor.com yeah okay well uh john we talked to lauren last time and now you're on so i want to ask you because i didn't get to ask you last time i asked her uh do you indulge in cannabis <laughs> i'm a, a nighttime chronic <laughs> yeah i have a very specific schedule i i eat I drink a couple glasses of wine and then I have a couple of hits. Is smoking your favorite way, or I know I know Lauren likes the edibles, or but but is but is smoking your favorite way? It is, you know. I I think I owe it's it's something I owe to my ancestors, you know, going back thousands of years, the communal thing, the smoke thing, yeah. Well, um, before we talk about Girls Night Out, <laughs> I wanted to ask you: uh, Do either one of you um, do you guys do you guys have a favorite slasher film? Uh. A favorite film? A favorite slasher oh, film. you know what? Hers is this, yeah. Um, I guess The Shining is not a slasher film, right? It doesn't really qualify as a slasher film. I mean, I, I could kind of see how or it does it. Genre. No. Kinda. no, it doesn't. There's like an axe murdering sequence yeah, in Yeah, I mean, there are know, some creepy know. things that happen. Um, yeah. Do you have a favorite a slasher film? Yeah. Um, well, I remember I, I did a, a play once and I was in Detroit and it was a really bad time to, of downtown Detroit and I had to walk from my hotel to the theater and it was deserted and there was there was there were two theaters that I passed, movie theaters that I passed and in at one theater the movie was called The Rats Are Coming and then the other one was The Texas Chainsaw Massacre and so and I I remember going to see that, and at that time in Detroit, and and I was affected by that. I, I really like that. That's a that's a pretty good slasher movie. Right. Uh, do Do you have Have you always been a fan of horror movies? Me? Oh, you're the one who likes Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I I like horror thriller type of movies. You know, um, like the Catholic horror movies. You know, like The Exorcist and The Omen and things like that. Um, I mean, I don't know if Silence of the Lambs counts as a, um, it's not really a slasher, but it's a mixture of a thriller and horror because there is blood yeah. and it's cannibal, there's cannibal type of thing. And it, I mean, I like stuff like Mid Midsummer. That's a, one of my go-tos that I really like a lot. But as a kid, we always watched things like the original Frankenstein, um, dating myself here, uh, Dracula's. Godzilla's. Those were our horror movies when we were growing up. Gotta love the Godzilla nod. Abin Costello in the Haunted fan. House. <laughs> yeah, aren't those great? Absolutely, yeah. And uh, what about you? Yeah. Well, uh, um, a horror film, uh, The Exorcist. I mean, I was I I was at the theater in high school when that movie came out, and I'll never forget. I mean, I grew up in Southern Ohio, and well, around a lot of hillbillies. I, I grew up with a lot of hillbilly friends, and these were pretty tough guys. You know, they throw cue balls at each other, and, and they were pretty crazy. And we went to the theater, and 
when she threw up on, on the priest, you saw about eight girls running up the aisle. And, you know, if that movie was to come out now, would anybody do that? But back then, I mean, it was really the first horror movie. And, and, and my hillbilly friends, they wouldn't close their doors. And they kept the lights on in their bedrooms for a week after that movie. There was never a movie that affected that was more effective, I think, as a, as a shocking horror film than that. And it was the first one. Yeah. And to me, it's still the most shocking film ever. What about you guys? I would have to uh, say that uh, well, my favorite horror film is the original Halloween, but I'd have to say that um, <clears throat> I think that uh, The Exorcist is probably the best horror film ever. I think it's the most perfect horror film with music, editing, acting. There's not a flaw about it. So I think in regards to the best horror film of all time, it's The Exorcist. But I would watch Halloween 10 times before I'd watch The Exorcist again. <laughs> 1978 Halloween's my favorite as well. I mean, I grew up watching the Universal Monsters, and then it was Michael, Jason, you know, Freddy and all that. Um, yeah, The Exorcist still holds up, though. It's still still creepy as hell. My my fiance's never actually watched yeah. it and won't watch it and won't watch it. But uh, Shutter did the 101 scariest movie moments, and they were showing scenes from The Exorcist, and she was like, "Oh my god, that happens in that movie? That really happened?" I'm <laughs> like, "Yeah, it's pretty messed they up." They must show the crucifix thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's just nothing more, sh especially if you have a, any kind of religious background. That crucifix scene, there's just, I mean, what movie could, could beat that? What, what scene in any horror film can beat that, that scene? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I completely yeah. agree. That was uh, that movie fucked me up for a whole summer. The fr I, uh, I snuck downstairs and saw it when my parents were watching it. They had their backs to me, and I watched it without them knowing because I thought, you know, I'm a tough, tough little shit. And I wanted to, you know, watch horror movies, and it fucked me up for a whole summer. Like I legit was like, I was like, my mom thought she might have to take me to see a shrink. It fucked me up. Like I was looking at shadows on the wall, and I was seeing Regan's face in shadows. I was like, you know, uh, like it, it, it like traumatized me, and uh, I, I'm not scared of it anymore. But I'll always respect it because I'm like, damn that. No other movie's ever done that to me, ever. You know, but um, John, the last time I spoke to you, you actually said I that... I mean, uh, Jaws for me is what's scary. Um, <clears throat> there's a bit of a delay. So. Yeah, there's a bit of a delay, so we're, we're kind of, yeah, working around. No, I was going to say Jaws, um, you know, made me afraid to go into the water forever. You know, I'm still afraid. I mean, I don't even take a bath. I'm so afraid of a shark <laughs> coming out of the drain. <laughs> Yeah, Joel's is a masterpiece too. Um, the but uh, yeah, I was gonna say that uh, John, the last time I spoke with you, you you couldn't believe that uh, <laughs> you couldn't believe that anybody um, liked Girls Night Out. You couldn't believe that I liked Girls Night Out and that it had fans. And then like here it is a year later. You're on our show again. We're about to talk about it. And uh, like the the fan base came out of the woodwork. The Arrow Video gave it like a boutique treatment Blu-ray. How does that feel? Oh, it feels great, and I'm I, I, I'm always amazed at the, the the sturdiness of the horror film and the fact that it's intergenerational. You know, I've been to a couple of uh, of appearances with Lauren, and these you know eighteen, seventeen year old kids are coming up with their parents, and you realize that even the parents, maybe their parents, turned it on to them, and now they're turning it on to their kids. I mean, that the, they're so lasting, and the the fan base is 
so, I mean, it's just amazing, really amazing. Yeah, I mean, when I was just up in Canada at a um, at a convention, um, um, Frightmare in the Falls, and I signed a lot of Girls' Night Out DVDs and posters. It was weird because usually, you know, you get the Friday stuff or, you know, I'll get Neighbors stuff. But this is the first time I really did a lot of um, Girls' Night Out signing. Yeah, and like the movie kind of has like an animal feel, or I'm sorry, Animal House meets like a slasher vibe. Uh, did you both feel that that was true when you were making the movie? Yeah, I think that's really what they were going for. I think I really do. You know, the whole frat house thing and Bluto. Who, who's the Bluto character? Yeah, I mean, they were just a bunch of comedians and then the serious guy, the Halbrook kid. Yeah. Um, he was serious. But yeah, the, those two guys who were always playing off each other. They were very animal housey. Yeah, it was, it was very much so. And we filmed it on a college campus. So it's not like it was a made up um, frat house. It was really one of those homes. Right. And, uh, and I always thought it was curious that they had a lot of, there was a lot of blood, right? A lot of killing, but no cursing and no nudity. <laughs> right. Was there cursing? Maybe it was. A little bit. It I think there was a little, little bit of cursing. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, Lauren, you barely remembered the movie when I tried to speak with you about it a year ago. Uh, have you recently watched it now that the Blu-ray's out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. I watched it, actually. I was surprised. I, I thought, oh, I want to remember that with those, that many scenes. I was surprised at how many scenes I was in. I'm like, oh, wow, look at that. You go, girl. Um, yeah, yeah, it was fun. I mean, the, the whole um, opening scene with the basketball court where we were all cheerleaders, Julia Montgomery and the other girls and I were all cheerleaders, you know, and the whole locker room scene. I was like, Oh, that's right. I remember that now. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a, a fun memory. I think we, we shot it pretty much in sequence of the story, you know, cause it opens up at least for our characters. It opens up uh, with that basketball scene. And that's one of the first scenes we shot. So it was kind of weird how all of our relationships evolved um, as we shot the movie. We be just became chummier as a group. So that by the time we get to those the party scene, you know, in the frat house, we're all very chummy already. So that it, it worked in that way. Yeah. And this guy was so weird. And that whole <laughs> dancing scene. <laughs> you don't know where you bite some girl's boob or something. I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot about that. <laughs> well, recently at a wedding, and I feel like... Uh... Drew, you've seen the videos. I was pulling out some boss wick moves. <laughs> 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 You're not going to get any chicks that way. Okay, good. Well, That's great. I'd love to hear that. So, um, Lauren, have you noticed an uprise of fans of this movie as of late? Like, are you uh, getting stuff brought up to you more at conventions of Girls' Night Out now? Yeah, definitely. Um, in fact, I usually take pictures with the fans that have the girls' night out stuff because, well, back a, a, a year ago was more unusual, but now with the release of, you know, the the DVD, the Blu-ray, and you know the different covers that they have, and because I'm featured on the uh, on the main cover, which I was like, whoa, that's kind of cool, you know, with my scene with the bear coming through the window. Um, I'm getting, I'm signing a lot of these, a lot of the sleeves for the uh, for the DVD or the Blu-ray. So that's uh, that's kind of cool, but yeah, there were a lot a lot of Canadian fans who were digging on this. And um, where else was I? I was in Pennsylvania uh, a couple of months ago, and uh, again because of the release of this, 
they're all coming to the tables, uh, you should come to a convention. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I should. You should. <laughs> it's, hard to go, it's hard for both of us to leave the house when we have two dogs. You know? That kind of deal. Well, I would definitely bring my girls, girl, girls Night Out Blu-ray and get it signed. And I did notice it was you on the cover, but when I watched the movie, those earrings are nowhere to be found. I know. I yeah. I know. It, it, I, I, they wanted me to be dressier. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I don't even remember wearing earrings. I guess I had little pearls on or something. But that was that's what threw me off when I first saw the cover. I'm like, I didn't have earrings like that on. But I guess the artist decided to do a rendering, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, and then there's the bear thing. I didn't. You know what? I've forgotten how how much blood they used for my kill scene. You know, she's walking through the woods, very Vicky-like. Yeah, that was a lot of blood. (laughs) I think I may have had five of those uh, purple shirts that I was wearing, too. You know, for all the blood. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Bear looks friendly, though, on the cover. (laughs) He does look friendly, but he's not. (laughs) (laughs) Now, with yeah, the, uh, the Blu-ray release, they also have an alternate title card for uh, the Scare Baker. Do you guys prefer the Scare Maker or Girls' Night Out? I kind of like the original. The original. The original. Original. I think it's on this. Yeah, this is on the cover of our script. The original. Let me move it over. The original. Original. It was called Final Clue. I kind of like that. It's got a little bit more air of. I don't know. Classiness. <laughs> it plays into the whole scavenger hunt thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, that's the original, original. See that? So, yeah. Oh, wow, wow. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, the pages, different pages for, uh, you know, they have different colored pages depending on rewrites, you know, which they give you, like, that day. So, it's kind of cool. It smells, it smells old. It smells old. <laughs> and when you think about it, there's the cast. I mean, Lauren had just come off doing Neighbors, and then they had Ritania Alda, who had had done um, uh, Deer Hunter, the Deer Hunter, yeah. How Holbrook and Richard Bright. I mean, there were that was actually a cast of people that had really good credits. So yeah. it was pretty cool. And uh, was was there more t- working titles than just those three? I think that was it. Final Clue, Stair Maker, Girls Night Out. I think that that, yeah. was, that was it. I'm trying to think. Did it come out of Scare Maker? No. No, it was it was Girls Night Out when it was in the theater. Yeah. So what, how did Scare? I don't even know the genesis of how it got to Scare Maker. Yeah, it was called Final Clue, then Scare Maker. Then oh, they really? changed it oh, to okay. Girls Night Out. Okay. Yeah, it is. It's weird. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, John, I got to ask you: Do you still carry cherry lip balm on you? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I had forgotten that until you guys brought that up. I think we brought it up last time, too. No, I I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> he was did for a really long time, though. Was that a thing back yeah, then? I think that was like, my idea. Was that a thing for people to just offer other people their lip balm? Yeah. Oh, and we were, oh, you yeah. know, I was just a skinny, broke actor, you know. And so I didn't take care of myself very well. And, and, and I, I probably always had chap lips. And, you know, she kind of fell in love with me because all the food I piled up on my Wait, that was good. Uh, yeah, I was I was impressed at his ability to eat and stay so skinny. He was skinny. Yeah, but yeah, the yeah, cherry lip balm. Uh, he was really into that. that. He did carry it around all <laughs> yeah. the time. Cherry lip balm. Yeah, that was pretty funny. 
<laughs> well, um, so Lauren, uh, we didn't cover this last time you were on, but you're a runner. Like you run marathons and you used to run like five to eight miles in the mornings. Why didn't you just fucking run from these killers? Why did Jason and this fucking teddy bear get you? I don't know. I mean, I know I can outrun Warrington Gillette. I seen him at the gym, <laughs> you know, whenever we do these appearances, <laughs> I, Lauren, I'm going to go to the gym. You got to come. I just peek in. I go, I'm not going to any gym with this dude. Um, no, I mean, I, John can tell you, right? I mean, I just had a, a natural ability. I started running when I was doing um, uh, Friday the 13th because, you know, we're filming at night for the most part. So we had nothing to do during the day. So I started running. And then when I got back to New York and I was living in Brooklyn at the time, I entered a couple of odd races and I was really fast. So a uh, track club came up to me and said, hey, are, do you belong to a track club? And I said, no, I don't. And I wound up becoming a member of the Prospect Park Track Club and being one of their top runners for years. Oh, wow. Right? Nice. Now, Lauren, if, if she hadn't had a career as an, as an actress and she had actually devoted herself to being a runner, she could have been an elite runner. Like, I, I'm a real elite runner. She's built for it. She's a gazelle. Yeah, people used to say that I, when I ran, I looked like a gazelle. <laughs> I, take, I take long strides. Not so much anymore. Now I'm kind of like, you know, a, a rabid raccoon. I run like this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I hear uh, my uh, running app go, go your split pace, nine minutes, 30 seconds per mile. I'm like, yeah. Whereas in the past, I'd be like a six minute miler easily, you know, for the length of a marathon. But now it's like, yay, I'm under 10 minutes per mile now. <laughs> we did a, a couple of marathons together, and she, she beat me by an hour. An Damn. hour. <laughs> I think I'd have just given no, up. No, she was point. really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one year you started right at the front, didn't you? Like yes. With the, with the leading yeah. runners. Yeah, I was number 77 in the oh, world. Wow. And I got to start, yeah, I got to start with the top, my number was 77, F77, and I got to start with the top 100 women in the, the entire world. And I was working on the soap opera at the time, and um, it, um, the marathon, New York City Marathon was carried by ABC TV in New York. And, of course, that was our crew. Most of them were crew from the soap opera, you know, who, you know, Moonlight doing the news and whatnot. And I said to one of the guys, Jerry, uh, Wallace was his name. I said, hey, Jerry, you know, I'm going to be up at the front, you know, with the top women, you know, who get to start before the rest of the race. And they're like, oh, yeah, right, Lauren, BS. Yeah, yeah, bullshit artist. So it's like, no, really, I, I, I look for me. I have number 77 on F77. You know, yeah, okay. So I get to the top of the Verrazano Narrows Bridge, and I see Jerry, you know, with the camera, right? I go, Jerry! Jerry, no, not Jerry Walsh. That was the guy who was my Jason in Friday 13th Part 2. Anyway, that's another story. So I'm calling Jerry, the camera guy, Jerry, and I see him go like this. Holy shit. And he pulls the camera from the network, you know, for the network TV and focuses. I go, I told you. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and I think most people are familiar with the fact you guys met on set. Well, was it kind of just an instant connection? Yeah. Oh, well, I, I fell in love with Lauren at an audition for something else. She didn't even know I was there. I, she came in with this little girl that she was babysitting. Oh and God. I said, who the hell is that? And I had a girlfriend, but I instantly knew that I, 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 I loved her right then. And then 
And then when we both got, I, I actually beat Gilbert Gottfried out for this role. And so, you know, I mean, I didn't even know I'd get it in the movie. And then I did, and, and, and she did too. And I was just thrilled. I thought, oh my God, I'm actually going to have a chance, to, a second chance with this girl. And then, uh, he offered me cherry lip balm. <laughs> <laughs> I sat in front of her with a big stack of food, and that was it. And then we started, we were like, then it got kind of mushy and gooey where we were outside, you know, when we weren't filming and we were picking pine cones. Yeah, holding hands. And then I took her to a place where there was a piano, nice grand piano and no one around. And I, I played her a song, one of the ballads that I had written. And she was all moony over me. So yeah. it, it got kind of really uh, tree-ackly. And, <laughs> but it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what, uh, what happened to the bear mascot costume? Do either of you, uh, did either of you get to wear it on set? And do you guys know where it is now? <laughs> did you wear it? Didn't you wear it? Mm-hmm, I don't think so. I thought you did. I thought you goofed around with it once. Um, like at the frat party scene. I thought you goofed around with it on once. Mm-hmm, no. Huh. No, we, you know what? They hold on to those things because of reshoots and stuff like that. I'm sure... Uh, one of the producers has it or somebody has it. Maybe Hal Holbrook's son has it. I, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, they always hold on to the fun stuff. You know, now people just steal things from the sets, you know, like, ooh, that's mine. But, uh, yeah, I, I, it was a hot thing, though. Anybody who had to wear it was always sweating. Yeah. Yeah, talk about stealing stuff from uh, set. I remember recently there was a story about Robert Pattinson when he was making The Batman, and he kept stealing the socks every day. And eventually they wrote him a letter and were like, look, we know you want some of the socks, but do you have to take them every single day? <laughs> Why was he stealing? Socks? I don't know. I guess he just wanted something from the movie, but maybe the socks were comfy. I don't know. You just see Robert Pattinson sitting around his apartment at night. You know, smelling <laughs> <it>. <laughs> that was from Wednesday. Let me take a Thursday. Oh, Thursday. <laughs> That's weird. You thought of it. How weird is that? <laughs> no, he's stealing socks. I don't know. I'm getting all hot now. <laughs> Thinking about it. <laughs> now, uh, with Vicky on Friday Part 2, you said you kind of wanted her to be that all-American girl. Was there anything you wanted to bring to the role of Sheila? Oh, I just wanted to have fun with that one. You know, like John said, I had just come off of doing Neighbors with John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. So I was just very lighthearted at the time. I was just kind of floating um, around in, in my life. I was, you know, busy doing TV commercials also. And I just felt a little bit above the ground. Like I was just kind of like floating. So when, you know, you get the script, of course, you know, at Already having done a horror movie, I knew I was going to die, obviously. But just, I i mean, I had fun doing it. You know, the cheerleading scenes I liked a lot because, you know, Sheila was one of the popular girls, whereas Vicky was kind of on the insecure, dorky side. So Sheila was, you know, the popular cheerleader who had a lot of boyfriends. And it was so opposite of what I was in real life that I just wanted to have have fun with it. Yeah. And now, uh, in addition to Friday the 13th Part 2, you have another horror movie with a line about smoking weed in it. (laughs) (laughs) Is it the new one? No, not the new, new one. No, not the new, new one. Wait, okay, what about you? What about, how did you approach your character? Uh, You know, I mean, we talked about this last time, maybe, but Bob Dubell just, 
for some reason, he decided that I was the next Charlie Chaplin. Like, I was this brilliant comedian. <laughs> you know, just go for it, John. Do what you think. Do what you feel. You're brilliant. Brilliant, dude. So, I mean, he didn't, I never really got much direction. I just kind of went off being crazy. And I, I, I was probably stoned. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Probably. I know. It's so weird. But the thing about Lauren, I got to say, you know, she comes off to me, especially in Friday the 13th, as more authentic because she comes from 149th and Prospect in the Bronx. Man. I mean, she came from a war zone. That's where she grew up. And then you see her with all these other people. You knew they were like a lot of them were from wealthy families or suburbs. And then there's Lauren and the way she looks, you know, she's got that look and she's not faking it. I mean, she was really from the hood. So. Yeah, I, I, I get that. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to ask, um, everybody involved said that they were, uh, that they had a blast making this movie. So I know you guys, your memory is a little fuzzy, but do you guys have like a, a favorite memory on set besides meeting each other and, you know, hooking up? Do you guys have a favorite memory on set that you remember? Can I tell a story about somebody smoking pot or should I not mention I other people? Them. Well, don't name names. Oh. Yeah, yeah, you can, you yeah. can just well, leave your name go. out if I you mean, want. I, I wasn't. Oh, okay. Well, I was in between uh, shoots, between shots. There was uh, there were a bunch of people in this house, and upstairs, I walked in, and one of the girls who was playing a cheerleader had her head out the window, and she was smoking a joint, and you know, people were throwing stuff at her butt and everything. So that was that was a memorable moment. That's pretty awesome. Spoken like a true <laughs> Yeah, that's <was> pretty awesome. <laughs> um, all right, so look, John, is Boswick going to return, man? Are we going to see with all these new reboots and sequels and requels? Are we going to see <laughs> Girls Night Out 2, Boswick? Are we going to see him coming back kicking ass? <laughs> yeah, Boswick with the, the beanie on my head, lying in, a, yep. lying in a hospital bed with an intravenous IV in my arm. Yeah, that was... <laughs> Cherry lip balm in hand. Boswick goes there once. <laughs> Boswick, old man Boswick. Yeah. Boswick <laughs> become becomes a cheerleader. <laughs> Boswick <laughs> hanging around playground. Boswick <laughs> identifies as a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. <laughs> Boswick and wrinkle bars. Oh fun. Ew. <laughs> You see what I live with? <laughs> I think Boswick would be too traumatized. Uh, yeah, like lonely guy, you know, lonely guy Boswick, some old guy, you know, sitting in a park. It would be you would be Boswick. It would be in like a one flew of the cuckoo's nest type of scenario. Yeah, right. <laughs> in a mental ward with Jack Nicholson wearing a bear costume. <laughs> wearing a bear costume. <laughs> <laughs> See, I mean, I feel like we've already written the sequel. <laughs> We're getting there. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, let's, yeah let, let's take some gummies and write it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we just want to thank you both again for joining us today to talk about Girls Night Out. It's good to see it finally get in the recognition it's due with the with the Arrow release, which is amazing. I will say it's just crazy to me, and I want to know like what kind of condition that film was in that some of it they couldn't restore. <laughs> oh, that's true. I don't know, man. Yeah, those night scenes. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty dark already. Yeah. Dark night scenes. So. Yeah, they were really dark. Yeah, but but again, we, we, we just want to thank you both for coming on to talk about the movie with us. Oh, thanks for having us, well, guys. Yeah, really. Thanks for having 
All right. <laughs> and uh, when when uh, Girls Night Two Boswick's Return comes out, we'll uh, we'll, we'll have you on again. <laughs> <laughs> Revenge of the Geeks. <laughs> Boswick with a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome we're doing this this is a movie that's gonna go in I'm, right, I'm starting writing tonight <laughs> all right let us know when you got a draft send it over <laughs> all right well thank you guys again and go and go and go enjoy your football talking. john all right thank you thanks guys take care <laughs> see ya Thanks to all the horror hounds and smokers out there for tuning in. Thank you again for Lar- to Laura Marie Taylor and John Diedrichson for joining us. Thank you. Well, we'll have to find a third reason to get them back on the show. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, make sure to follow us on social media. Hi on Horror 420 on Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok, Facebook. I think that's all of them. Yeah. That's if Twitter's still around. Who knows? People are all leaving. People are coming. Story of life coming and going. Send us uh, some questions for some PPA at uh, highonhorror420 at gmail.com. Check out our website, highonhorror.com. Check out some of the reviews we got posted there and sign up for our newsletter to get the latest episode and guest announcements sent to your inbox. And uh, just stay tuned and uh, we'll have an announcement for you later in the week about our next episode. Catch you later. Bye, everybody.